Welcome back to our podcast series, Layman to Leader. My name is Ethan Doyle, and today I am joined by Raul Perez, Jack Nornberg. As you know, our podcast series is dedicated to understanding the fundamental principles of Christian leadership described as character, conviction, and competency. Today's episode will be focused on discussing what conviction is, some practical examples of conviction, as well as a discussion as to how conviction applies to us today. Firstly, let me provide us with a working definition of conviction and a helpful framework to interpret it. So what is conviction? Well, conviction is the application of wisdom, coupled with discipline, to formulate strong understandings of what is right, good, and true. Having strong convictions allows someone to be decisive in their action, knowing already what is the correct course of action. In order to be decisive, however, one must be disciplined to stand firm in their convictions and have the fortitude to act out on them. As Thomas Carlyle once said, quote, Conviction is worthless unless it is converted into conduct. Now let me pause to clarify what conviction is and is not. Conviction is not a mere opinion or belief. Opinions or beliefs are typically founded on the experience of yourself or another and are not founded on research and logic. In other words, opinions or beliefs are what one considers as a truth, rather than being convinced of what that truth is. Conviction typically stems from applied thought to all available information, resulting in a firm, factual, and informed understanding of the matter. Unlike opinions or beliefs, convictions are not as prone to change, whereas opinions or beliefs might be changed more rapidly, as they are typically shallower in their understanding of the truth. This is perhaps best illustrated by Edwin Lewis Cole when he said, quote, When pressure comes, preferences give way, while convictions will hold firm. End quote. Now, I want to shift our attention from the definition of conviction to thinking more about what some practical examples of conviction may be. So, Jack and Raul, now that we have some understanding of what it means to be convicted, what would you say are some biblical examples of conviction? Yeah, when I think of conviction, my thoughts are Mary Magdalene and the Roman centurion. We see the Roman centurion in Matthew 8, verses 5 through 10. It says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, My servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, Shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, Go, and he goes, and that one, Come, and he comes. I say to my servant, Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. This story just amazes me because it is someone that we least expect to come to saving faith. A Roman centurion, probably the last person in a lot of their minds. Roman soldiers were not very fond of Jews in the first place, so the mere fact that he asked Jesus to come and heal somebody shows that he was convicted enough to humble himself. He understood that Jesus was in a place of authority. Why? Because he felt convicted. And then moving on to Mary Magdalene, we see in Matthew 26, Luke 7, and Mark 14, Mary Magdalene anoints Jesus in Bethany by the washing of his feet with oils. Some were complaining as to why she was wasting such expensive items, but Jesus told them to leave her alone. She had enough conviction to humble herself and realize that Jesus is Lord and act in obedience. I feel like we can learn something from these two stories because when put into a leadership position, it is very easy to get in the so-called manager mindset. When 
that we are ministers and need to care for our people and have enough conviction so that we can stand up for what is right. Mm. Thank you for that, Jack. Now, Raul, to kind of flip the coin here, what would you say might be some negative examples of conviction in the Bible? Yeah, in the in the scriptures, we see several negative examples of what uh, lack of conviction looks like and and how and why is that. But just to focus on one story in particular, we see Saul in First Samuel 15, which uh, goes like this. Samuel goes to as a messenger of God, goes to Saul and commands him to that God wants to destroy the Amalekites. And uh, a specific order or command was that they cannot spare no one. No one can survive. Even the sheep cannot even survive. So it's a direct command given by God to Saul. And and we're not going over about the justice of God and how it's manifested throughout this text. This can be a subject that we can discuss in another episode. But the point is that God commands Saul to do his work. And so... After hearing this, Saul goes towards the Amalekites and with his army uh, kills most of the people, but spares the king and, does, and doesn't destroy everything. He leaves some things uh, for himself. So when we continue the story, Samuel appears uh, to Saul and questions him why he did not obey uh, fully what God commanded him to do. And so Saul tried to justify his reason, but at the end, we, we can know why he disobeyed God. And the first reason was because he feared men. So I think in, in this story, 1 Samuel, it teaches us three principles about how lack of conviction looks like. And the first one is that lack of conviction leads to lack of decisiveness, which can be rephrased as, Lack of conviction leads to not doing what you're commanded to do, and you are not decisive in your actions towards it. The second principle is that lack of decisiveness leads to disobedience towards God. And that's what Saul did. He didn't decide to do the right thing, and therefore he disobeyed God. And at the end, we see that lack of conviction is a direct correlation of fearing man. And I think that we can switch switch that that principle and say that fear of men is the appearance of lack of conviction in mm. the life of the leader and i think that is fits perfectly with what ed welch in his book when people are big and god is small uh when he says we are more concerned about looking stupid than we're about acting sinfully mm. and that's what uh saul did he he was more concerned about looking bad uh, amongst the people instead of what he was doing that it was wrong against God. So I think that the antidote towards lack of conviction is fear of God. Mm. So yeah. So kind of going off of that line, would you say that there's a biblical mandate for conviction? And if so, what would you say is the biblical definition of conviction? Yeah, I believe that when we see the scriptures, Christians are called to be convinced of the truth of the scriptures. They should understand the gospel. They should understand the truth of the gospel. And so I think in Colossians, uh, Paul encouraged the the church from Colossians that he says, see to it that no one takes you captive 
through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So basically he's saying don't be uh, scattered away from different philosophies. Stand firm in the truth of the gospel. So, so yeah, there's a biblical mandate for conviction, and that looks like in believing uh, on God's truth. Yeah, to bounce on that, I do think there is a biblical mandate for conviction. We we would not be Christians in the first place unless God revealed our eyes and we are convicted in the first place of our sin and our human nature. John sixteen eight says, And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. That is why I believe that there is a, a biblical mandate for conviction. Mm. Thanks for that. Well, to get another perspective on conviction, we were able to interview a past MMA fighter known as the Tiger, who is a man of pure conviction and who is also able to provide us with a more insight into this topic. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Andrew King, who serves as the Assistant Professor of Biblical Studies at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and who is Assistant Dean of Spurgeon College. Thank you very much for joining me, Dr. King. It's a pleasure. Yeah, as you know, in today's episodes, uh, we're discussing the importance of conviction in the life of the leader. So I'm just going to ask you some key questions about this subject. Firstly, what is conviction? What do you think about conviction? Yeah, so we typically, when we hear uh, conviction or, uh, or convict, um, typically when we think of the verb convict, uh, to be convicted, to convict someone else, uh, it really has to do with bringing something to light. Um, so this is the idea that Jesus speaks of in uh, John 16, his high priestly prayer. He talks about the, um, the spirit that will come, the comforter who will come, the Holy Spirit. And he says uh, that when he comes... He will convict the world uh, concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Mm-hmm. So he's going to bring to light things regarding sin, righteousness, and judgment. So that's one way that the word convict or conviction can, can function, exposing sin, bringing things to light. Um, but probably more to the topic at hand with leadership mm-hmm. um, is the, the kind of noun form that shows up of conviction that has to do really with like a firm belief, a firm belief in, in something. So uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So it, it parallels um, the, uh, the belief, the assurance of things that you hope for. It's a firm belief uh, with conviction. Mm conviction of things not seen. So there are some things that you can be certain about, uh, even while looking forward. Um, so conviction is kind of this, this firm belief that, that one can have. Um, this is applicable. Conviction is applicable for all Christians, uh, in one sense. So in second Thessalonians two, um, Paul says, uh, stand firm, stand firm brothers and sisters and hold firm, hold, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by spoken word or by written, written word. Um, so all Christians are to stand firm. They're to hold fast to uh, the teaching of scripture and uh, the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Uh, so that's just applicable for all Christians. All Christians are to have convictions that line up with scripture. 
But for leaders, it's especially important. I mean, Paul has a lot to say uh, about this, especially when he's talking to to Timothy and, and to Titus. Um, he, but one of the uh, one of the qualifications for an elder in Titus one is that the elder must uh, hold firm to the trustworthy word is taught. Um, and, you know, he's able to give instruction and sound doctrine, and he's also able to refute, refute um, doctrine that contradicts sound doctrine. But he's to hold firm to the trustworthy word is taught. Uh, so that's that firm belief in uh, what God has revealed about himself, his word, and his ways. So if um, for a believer, for a, a leader, conviction is especially important. It's, it's a qualification for a, a leader in the church. Uh, but for those who are just going to lead based on Christian principles, uh, having conviction is, is important. Yeah, that's great. So uh, for a leader, what are the dangers for a leader who lacks conviction? Yeah, so if if conviction is having kind of a firm belief, um, and in a biblical sense, uh, holding firm to the trustworthy word is taught, uh, so kind of tethering ourselves to Scripture, having belief in what Scripture says, who God says he is, and what he's revealed in his word, uh, the danger of not having conviction can actually be quite catastrophic. Mm. Um, I mean, Paul warns in Ephesians 4, he warns... Um, he, he exhorts people to be mature, and if you are mature, you're not like a child, he says, who are tossed to and fro by waves and carried by every wind of doctrine. So if you're not tethered to the truth, if you don't have biblical conviction, then you get tossed around a lot. Mm-hmm. You get tossed around a lot, and um, winds and waves of, of doctrine can carry you far away from uh, from God. So without conviction, you can end up much in a much different place. Uh, theologically, uh, you can end up in a much different place just as far as faith and practice. So it's essential to have conviction. So just, and this is applicable for every Christian, mm-hmm. so you just don't get swept away from, from the faith. Um, but for leaders, especially pastors and, and leaders in the church, mm-hmm. The stakes are much higher mm, yeah. uh, because they are given the specific task to teach what God has revealed. Um, Paul says to Timothy that he's to keep a close watch on himself and his doctrine. Mm. Keep a close watch on yourself and your doctrine. Hold firm to your biblical convictions. Why must he do that? Mm. He must hold firm to these things and persist in them so that by doing them, Paul says, you will save not only yourself, but your hearers. Hmm. So holding firm to biblical convictions has to do with people making it to the finish line of the faith. Hmm. Um, so if, if a leader who is serving in the church isn't tethering themselves to God's word, isn't tethering themselves to Christian faithfulness, uh, then they could be compromising their own, uh, their own ministries but they can certainly be compromising uh, the responsibility entrusted to them in the task of preaching, teaching, leading, and shepherding. Yeah. So the stakes are, are quite high. Awesome. Well, given what we have talked about thus far, 
how would you guys say conviction applies to us today in terms of leadership within a church or a parachurch organization? Yeah, I think that following up, following up uh, from my interview with Dr. King, I think he he exerts uh, he explains a uh, a common problem that we're facing as a modern church right now that we're in pressing times in pressing needs. So I think that there's some foundational truth that leaders should com- should be convicted of, and and to name a few. I think these are like three foundational truths that we that leaders and even Christians should hold fast. Number one, the scriptures. For a leader, the scripture should be the word of God, the inerrant word of God, the authority uh, for our lives. So a, le- a leader and a pastor is going to preach the word, teach the word, and therefore he should be convinced that that word is true. So, yeah, leaders should hold fast to what Chris- scripture says. And lift that in their lives. Second uh, thing that they should be holding fast to is the gospel. The good news. Through the gospel we can be saved. There's no other name uh, besides Jesus Christ that we can be saved. So the gospel is the good news of salvation. And therefore it should be um, the good news that a leader should hold fast. Uh, because if Christ did not die. If Christ did not rose from the grave. Our faith, our faith is in vain. So the gospel is central for the Christian life and and for a leader. And third, a leader should be to have conviction of God's faithfulness. Mm-hmm. In leadership there will be suffering, in leadership there will be struggle, uh and but the only thing that will never change is God. God's faithfulness is forever. So if a leader's convinced that God is faithful, we can rest assured um uh, that that leader has conviction. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you for that. Jack, anything to add? Yeah, I think Dr. King touched on that perfectly. Uh, Conviction for a leader is a qualification to be a leader in the church. And Dr. King also said that when a leader does not have conviction, that it is catastrophic. And we see that in biblical narratives all the time, just as Raul touched on just a little bit. So as leaders in the church and parachurch ministries, we just need to have conviction because conviction leads to disobedience and conviction leads to obedience. And when we do not have conviction, that leads to disobedience. Amen. Well, thank you, brother. Well, thank you for all those listening in today, joining us on Layman to Leader. I am Ethan Doyle. I'm Raul Perez. I'm Jack Nornberg. Join us next time as we discuss the third aspect of Christian leadership defined as competency.